This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Since the day she gave me that coveted final rose, my wife, Trista Sutter, has made me a better person. If she can get me to know better, to do better, and to just all around be better, then I'm sure she can do it for you too. You're listening to Better Etc. with my wife and your host, Trista Sutter. Hey everybody, this is Trista and you're listening to episode 22 of the Better Etc. podcast. Before I get into this week's Trista's Takes, I wanted to tell you about who I'll be talking to later. Her name is Linda Perry, and she is a master life coach. Yes, a master life coach. She's also a lead business instructor for the Levin Life Coach Academy, where she teaches life coaches how to build profitable coaching businesses. She has experience as a copywriter, a business strategist. She's a mom, and she's a fantastic travel companion. That's actually kind of how we got to know each other. We were on vacation, and I just had the best time with her. We are very similar in that we are Midwestern girls. She's from Chicago. I'm from St. Louis and Indiana. And we moved to the Rocky Mountains, both of us, to live our best lives. We both have written books. Hers, she calls the start of a bigger book. But it is called Unstoppable, Get More Shit Done for Your Business. And now we both host our own podcasts. Of course, you know what mine is called because you're here. Hers is called Mindset First. And she's dedicated to helping entrepreneurs grow their businesses, which I think is an amazing way for her to utilize her life coaching skills. She also calls herself a recovering (laughs) attorney. She spent 17 years as a federal criminal defense attorney. So talk about intelligent. She is so intelligent and we have a great conversation about entrepreneurship, how they can be successful, but also how we all, even if you are not an entrepreneur, how we all can utilize the tips and tricks that she teaches in order to be successful in our own lives and live happier. She talks about playbooks typical playbooks that we all go by, how people can deal with lack of motivation. And that is something that I ask specifically because I am definitely lacking motivation these days and what it means to be unstoppable for her. And she also gets into what head trash is and the biggest mindset challenges for entrepreneurs, which I think are also incredible challenges for all of us just trying to get by these days. So I hope you will continue to tune in and listen to all of Linda's wonderful words of wisdom. And for today's Trista's Takes, I figured that I would share my three favorite life hacks. So number one, I forget stuff all the time. I think I've said this before on this podcast numerous times. I can't remember though, because I have a really bad memory. (laughs) That's why I'm I'm trying to make a joke. Sorry, I don't know if that came across. But anyway, so I have a really bad memory. And I also tend to forget things all the time. 
I will get in my car and I will start driving down the road. And maybe 10 minutes after I've been driving, I'm like, oh no, I forgot this. I mean, why does that happen? It's so annoying. Why can't I remember it when I'm at the door before I leave the house? But no, it never happens like that. So I have learned in order to forget things less, that if I put it by the front door or I put it on our little bench in our entryway, then I will forget it less. Or if I even go so far as to put it in my car when I am thinking of it, then I won't forget it. Or if I'm packing a bag or whatever, if I'm thinking about it, I need to do it right then. Because if I wait, then life happens and I forget and it drives me nutty when I forget something. And I know it drives my husband crazy too. (laughs) So that's one of my life hacks is to put stuff by the front door so you don't forget it. The second one is I was having trouble sleeping for a while. And I am historically a great sleeper, great sleeper. I love sleep and I'm really good at it usually. But I think hormones and stress and just lots of stuff going on, I couldn't sleep for a while. And Ryan had read this article about how blue light from your screens affects your sleep. He was like, what they suggest in that article that he read was reading before bed. And I used to be an avid reader especially even as a teenager, I loved reading. And I had gotten away from it for so long. I I guess I just deferred to my screens. I would be using my phone or using my computer or iPad or whatever. I was just more drawn to digital. Well, now that I, I started reading because of that article that Ryan recommended, and I read before bed. So, and if I am overly exhausted, which has happened, you know, every now and then I won't read. But for the most part, I make myself, even if it's just read one chapter. And if you get a good book, obviously you want to keep reading. So that's a problem too. You got to be careful with that because you want to actually get a good night's sleep. That's another life hack, getting a good night's sleep, getting at least eight hours. But the second life hack is reading before bed. Not only does it open my eyes to all of these books and I have been able to connect with different friends because of the books I'm reading. I love talking about our favorite books, but it's also helping me to be able to sleep. So I think that's that's a win-win, right? A couple of my favorite books, just so you know, The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna got me back into reading. It's historical World War II fiction. And... Oh, it's fantastic. She's such an incredible author. I'm actually reading The Four Winds right now by her. It's her latest book, and it is fantastic as well. Another one of my favorites is The Night Circus. So good. It's so creative and a book that I would love to see made into a movie because it's so visual. I'm such a visual person and truly loved the fantastical I don't think fantasticalness is a word, (laughs) but I want to use that word. I mean, what's another word for fantasticalness? (laughs) It's just so fantastical. It's so magical is the word and so magical. I love The Night Circus. Oh, another one that I just listened to on Audible is The Midnight Library. It really makes you think. Definitely check that one out. So, so good. 
Um, and I don't listen to books before bed. I really love to feel paper between my fingers. And especially when it's a hardback book, I love hardbacks. But I do listen to Audible in my car. It definitely makes the time go by so quickly. That's number two life hack is to read before bed. Number three and final life hack is, I know people are going to probably laugh at me, but what I do with my emails because I get a lot of emails. So first thing in the morning, I go through all of my junk mail. So I delete all the junk mail because Lord knows there's a lot of it. So I delete all that so that I can focus on the, the good stuff, the stuff that I need to actually focus on. So I do that first, but then before I get up from using the computer, if I'm going through emails and, and working on my business or working or just being a mom, um, being a wife, being, you know, doing whatever, if I'm working on email, then I do not get up and finish working on email or take a break from it until I get my inbox down to a factor of five. So if I have 248 emails, then I do three more emails. I get rid of three more emails. I respond to three more emails so that I can get to 245. And then I take a break, walk away, go do what I need to do because that gets me working on the emails that I would procrastinate on and continue to push down and bury in my inbox. So it really has helped me to be more productive. And I honestly think it's a really good life hack. And I don't know why it's not out there, but um, yeah, factor of five for emails. So there you go. There's my life hacks for you. As I say, every episode, I hope that you, if you're enjoying listening, that you will share this with a friend, especially friends who listen to podcasts. I think that a lot of people out there don't know how to access podcasts, and I'm trying to reach that population. But if you could share with your friends, family, coworkers, if something in particular touches you or you learn a lot from it, I would really appreciate that. I'd also appreciate if you go and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. Just click the subscribe button and then also download every episode once it comes if it doesn't download automatically if you are using apple devices the download is the little cloud with an arrow and would love reviews so if you go to wherever you're listening and you can submit a review and a five star that would be fantastic to be able to reach more people so thank you so much for listening i am really excited to share this episode with you with linda perry here we go Welcome, my friend, Linda Perry. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. We finally did it. I'm just, I'm just so proud of both of us because we both started our podcast journey at around the same time. I, I'm pretty sure yours, I believe, started in August last year. Yeah, right. It, it did. Yeah, and I think I was around the same time. I don't know that my first. I think my first episode came out maybe in October, but I. I love this world. I know you feel the same way. Yeah, I, I love being able to share this stuff, having really great conversations with people. It is so much fun. It is so much fun. I, I The conversations for me, and as we just mentioned before we started, we are both Enneagram 2s. And what I told you was that on Ian Morgan Cron's podcast, Typology, he was my guest a couple weeks ago. 
every week he has a guest on who talks about their type. And there is a woman named Beatrice, I can't remember her, Chestnut, I think is her last name. And she wrote an Enneagram book and she's a type two. And you have to go listen to it because it is so, it's so intriguing to me to learn how my mind works. And do you feel this way when, when you hear people talk about your number, that they're kind of like a psychic in a way that they know things about you that they shouldn't because they don't know you. (laughs) I know I first started reading about them and I'm like, oh yeah, that's so perfect. Because I, as we were talking, I'm a two and like the second thing that comes up is an eight, which is really sort of like the two's the helper. The eight is that like pusher a little bit that, that the former attorney in me, right. We were talking about it, but it's so interesting because you're like, Oh my God, now people know that I'm this sort of, right. I'll come in almost like a bull, like with my opinions and you feel like, Oh God, do I have to hide that? But- I know. No, I think it's great. But what I wanted to say about Beatrice is that in her episode on typology, she talks about how, you know, how two is labeled as the helper, yeah. but she calls it the befriender because we're people who our lives revolve around relationships. And I think the reason that we love podcasting, at least for me, is that I love the relationships. I love the connection with people. You know, it's it makes total sense to me. Yeah, me, me too. I talk a lot about that, like in business, like in growing your business, like so many people think you have to be on every social media. You have to be on everything. I'm like, no, it's really about how are you building those relationships? And for me, that's the most important thing because I love that time of like, tell me about you. Like, let me get to know who you are and how can we actually help each other, right? That's us, the helpers. Um, anyway, okay. So speaking of your business and you know how, how you use it in helping people, can you talk to us a little bit about what your business is? Like what is Mindset First and what do you do as a master coach? I start this off as I'm a master coach, master mindset coach. The master sort of really this funny little title. I've just been around long enough is really what it means. And, <laughs> and I'm a business strategist too. And I also always joke I'm a recovering attorney because that was my career for 17 years. But what I do really is, is that I help people really dismantle those blocks that keep them from being their best, from really as business owners, from standing out and not just really as business owners, but as people too, because the truth is anything that's happening in your business is happening in your real life. So I really help people identify, okay, what is that thing that's standing in a way? Because most business owners think, okay, I need another skill or I need to do one more thing before I actually go big. And the truth is, is it's really this set of fears, limiting beliefs, doubts that stand in the way from us being as big as we can be, or as big as we imagine ourselves to be. And so my job really is, is helping people become really aware identify those things and move through them. Like, it's not about getting rid of fear. Everybody wants to get rid of fear. Like, okay, I just want it to go away. And what I do is I help people shift that, think about it differently and actually use those things Mm -hmm. to propel themselves forward. And so that's basically what I do. And just obviously I love it. So it's so much fun. So much fun. I, I think it's great. It's awesome that you became a life coach after 17 years of being a lawyer. And I love how you call it your practical woo. Mm -hmm. So you use practical woo, which I think is hysterical. I love the word woo, by the way. I love that word. Yeah, 
you know, when you think of life coaches, and I've actually had quite a few life coaches on the podcast, and not that all of them are all about will, but I feel like each one of them has really been, they have a different niche, a different niche, niche, niche. Is it niche or niche? It could be niche or niche. <laughs> it's kind of you. So a niche or niche. They have their different specialties. And yeah. I love that you took, you know, coaching, which I feel like in a general sense is what you're doing, but you geared it towards business, which I think is awesome because so many people need the help of life coaches, including myself, which is why I have a lot of them on here because selfishly, I want to learn about how to be better myself. And I'm sorry if you can hear the huge snowplow out. It snowed here for everyone who doesn't live in Colorado. But so I love that you took it and ran with it in terms of helping people with their business. How did you come to to figure that out? How did you figure out that you wanted to really help people who are entrepreneurs? It's funny because I, I don't think it's a straight road to this point. I mean, everybody has this, you know, the curvy road that we get to wherever we yeah. are. But the reason I left the law was actually because I was coached myself and I, I knew it wasn't my purpose. And, and as much as I loved being a lawyer, I wanted something more. And coaching gave me that. And I started out helping people in a space of transformation, like when they were transitioning from careers. And then I started out also in divorce because I had experienced a divorce. And, and I realized at that time, actually 80% of life coaches failed. That was the statistic at really? the time. Yeah, this was about eight years ago. Wow. And I, I think the statistics are a little better, but part of it, I was like, why? And so I went and learned everything I could about marketing and then copywriting. And I sort of dove into all of that and started helping other coaches get out there. And what I realized along the way is that I had to be this woo person and I ignored the lawyer, like mm. the lawyer that was really direct and really giving other people a voice didn't really have room to show up in this sort of little woo world that it wasn't fully me. And so that was my head trash as a business owner. I thought I had to be X, Y, Z in order to be a life coach. I thought I had to be a certain way. And so what I realized is, as I started hanging out with marketers, I started hanging out with business owners and I realized all of a sudden there's this story everybody's telling themselves, mm -hmm. right? The head trash is I'm not good enough. I'm not unique enough. I have nothing to offer. I'm too old. That's already filled. Like the whole stories we tell ourselves. Yeah. And that, and that head trash is really keeping people from seeing what is so cool about them. What's so cool about their business and how to actually stand out. And so that was really interesting to me. And so what I really loved about this is I could go into this space of business owners and I could see business owners start to be vulnerable. Like mm. you don't really think of business as a place to be vulnerable, True, but, but that's what started to show up. And it was really exciting because people are like, would start to come into the room and hang out with me and start to say, I, I just, and they'd be really successful. Even say, I don't, I don't feel good enough mm. or wow. I'm, discounting myself or pricing, or I can't really do sales because I just feel like a fraud. And so that really appealed to me to help people because the truth is most of us are trying to make an impact with our business. And if we have head trash in the way, you can't, you can't make the world a better place. And right. so that's kind of how I ended up. It's a bit of a long story, but how I ended up into this space. And it was 
it's really been really incredibly rewarding and I love it. That's great. I love that you are able to be you Mm -hmm. and also utilize your education in terms of being a coach, you know, both of it, I think is great. Before I started the podcast, I feel like I would have just thought that coaches were one thing, you know, using all the woo and not to say that the things that they use, like every single podcast I do, people talk about meditation, the power of meditation. And I feel like that was kind of how I thought of life coaches, that they are all about the meditation and the woo stuff. And I'm learning that I am taking that stereotype and smashing it and saying, you know what? Meditation is not a woo thing. It can be for everybody, even if you're not like that kind of person, quote unquote, you know? I actually struggle with meditation. It's not one of, yeah, it's one of those things that I'm, trying to incorporate back in because of, you know, those benefits of the parasympathetic Mm -hmm. system. Right. But like, I am still totally type A and I still honor, like I still, you know, move at really rapid speeds. And so yeah, same meditation is really not been something that I come to as easily as a coach. Right. Yeah. So I, I think there you're right. There's so much more to think about when you think about what a life coach is or how they really can support you. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's great that you found this. Okay. So I'd love to talk about, uh, the actual business parts of it because I feel like in a way I'm an entrepreneur. So Ryan and I have a business. We started when we were going to televise our wedding, our management suggested that we create a corporation. So we have a corporation And we have two employees, me and Ryan. (laughs) So I guess in a way we are entrepreneurs because we started our own business. And I know that you work with small businesses, right? Right. So I'd love to, for you to share just a little bit about entrepreneurship, maybe those stages that you've mentioned, um, just so we can get the basic feel for what being an entrepreneur looks like. Yeah, what I had learned was that we all have, and I love using this term head trash because it is, that's what it is, but we all have head trash no matter what stage of business you're in. But mm-hmm. I realized that the head trash is a little different depending on where you are in terms of your business growth. So I created these four categories of entrepreneur. And if you've ever read the book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, it's a great book, but they sort of mirror what he talks about in terms of finding your zone of genius because he divides everything up in four quadrants. And what I realized was there were sort of four stages. And the first stage is that fledgling um, freelancer that is, you know, has come to this business. They're taking whatever they can get, right? They're just like, whatever client comes through the door, their biggest concern is, you know, making money right away, Mm -hmm. right? Because They've either shifted into this, they've let go of whatever gig they had and they're sort of head down. And so they're not aware of some of the things that are blocking them. They may be discounting on pricing, but they're not really realizing it. They're just so concerned with how do I get money? Yeah. Then there's the emerging business owner. And that is that second stage where you're starting to like breathe a teeny tiny bit. You've had a couple of successes and you're starting to notice that 
each month, you're getting a little nervous because you're like, where's my next stuff coming from? But you also are starting to recognize that there's a few little mindset things coming up around things like pricing, around things like sales, around putting yourself out. Visibility is the first stage of growth. Um, and so you're, you're seeing that you're struggling with, okay, I need to be more visible, but what does that look like for me? And boy, I'm afraid to be rejected. Mm-hmm. The growth stage entrepreneur was sort of my favorite entrepreneur to work with because they have a steady stream of business, but they're likely overworked. They're likely seeing the fact that mindset is holding them back from making more money. They've maybe hit right around six figures, but they are stalling. And so it's things like visibility, process. They don't have everything nailed down. And so they're seeing how their mindset is actually holding them back. The last stage is the intentional entrepreneur, which we all want to get to. We want to have an intentional business. We want to take clients we love. We want to work with people that make sense. We want to understand our head trash and say, oh, there it is again. Let me move forward. Mm. So it's really about, you know, the different stuff comes up. And so you want to be, every time I'm working with somebody, I want to know exactly where they're at so I can really meet them where they're at and start to move them forward. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I mean, that's, that's a great way to organize. I'm, I'm all about organization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it helps a lot. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And now back to the conversation. What do you think are the biggest mindset challenges for entrepreneurs? Yeah. So a lot of them really are, you know, a lot of people have this thing about fear of failure. What I recently read, and it was from Seth Godin, is is we don't really actually have a fear of failure. What we have is a fear of sort of being called out, of criticism, of judgment, mm. of blame. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's really instructive to look at it that way because we all are afraid of falling on our face and everybody being like, yeah, told you so. Yeah. Right? Right? And so fear of failure is huge. You know, the other piece is, is we are such people pleasers So when we're building our business, we're really working on everybody else. You know, of course, we're you and I can relate the number two Enneagram, we're helpers, Mm -hmm. but we're not getting stuff done for ourselves. Most business owners reach a point going, I can't even work on my own business and they get stuck and they can't execute. Mm -hmm. And it's a huge problem because you want to scale, you want to grow, you want to add a team or do something and you can't because you're so overwhelmed. You're tied to the money. Yeah. And and those kinds of things. And you're like, who am I? I mean, imposter complex comes up for, they say at least 70% of business owners. I actually think it's much higher. I think it's literally a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like at, at some point you're walking around saying like, people are going to find out I'm a fraud. Yeah. And so that, and, and then of course, money mindset, money mindset is huge for people because they struggle with money and I should be paid, but I'm afraid if I ask for that, someone's going to say no. And there's a whole really weird relationship. A lot of us as business owners have around money. So those are the big ones that I see every single day that people really struggle with the most. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I feel like, you know, you're talking about all these things, but if you took away the business aspect of it, you can put that to like, 
I'm a stay at home and work mom. I feel right. like as a mom, I feel that all that all of these things all the time, the fear of failure, you know, the worry about money and so many of these things I feel like also pertain to people out there. Even if you don't have your own business, you know, I, I think that it's all relevant to all of us. <laughs> it is. And we talk about this, like I inevitably, anybody I coach, we talk about personal stuff. Yeah. The thing is, is how you're showing up here is how you're showing up in every part of your life. Like you can't right. help it. Like that money mindset is going to be like, you know, how do you ask your partner for something if you feel really weird about money or something like that and you have a weird relationship with it? It, it bleeds over into everything. Everything. For sure. Yeah. It has to. I mean, your business is your life. If you were an entrepreneur or at least a lot of your life, I would, yeah. I would assume a great percentage, especially if you're starting out as an entrepreneur, I would, I would assume that you have to dedicate a majority of your time to it can, your business. It, it can be all encompassing. And that's, that's that other piece that I try to teach people. Like, where's your boundary? Like, how mm -hmm. do you separate that out? Cause I can remember you know, you know, Joe, my husband, and he would yeah. be like, how are you, can you focus somewhere in this life? Cause I would work <laughs> like right. 80 hours. And he's like, that's not functioning. And he was right. And so it's really about setting up the boundaries. Cause people are like, I've interviewed people who've said there's no such thing as balance. And I'm like, that's not true. I totally agree with you. There yeah. is such a thing as balance. It's actually, it's funny. On one of my recent podcasts, I had an, an old friend, Janet Jones. She was talking about burnout because she collapsed um, due to burnout. And I asked her how she balances. And she said, there's no balance. And she said that she dedicates a certain, certain days to her business and dedicates certain days to her kids. And I'm like, that that's your balance right there. That's you consciously making a choice to say, this is the day that I'm going to get my work done. And this is the day that I'm going to have fun with my kids and be present with them. You know, that's yeah. balance right there. So I agree with you. I, I think balance does need to exist and it can exist and it, it does exist. You just have to make that choice. Like yesterday afternoon, I was like, I have a list of incompletions. Right. I own my own business. I took the afternoon off yesterday. Good I just did you. stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, God, I feel better. I mean, people might be like, well, what a way to spend the afternoon, but it was the way I wanted to. And, and you so know what? You need to do that for yourself. I think self-care and taking care of yourself can actually be a, a really important way to make yourself be more productive the next day. Because if you are feeling overwhelmed, and I know you talk about this a lot too, is if you're in that unproductive, overwhelmed stage you know, it's really, it's really difficult. You're stressed out. And if you take those moments for self-care, then that can help you to be able to deal with that stress and to actually tackle being unproductive with yeah. productivity, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Recently, you posted on your Instagram asking people if they were struggling with motivation. Yeah. I have been struggling. I mean, I feel like this is a very common thing since last year, since COVID started. The motivation is so hard for me these days, like, especially for me when it comes to getting to the gym and I broke my ankle in February and then COVID hit, you know, sometime right around there. And I 
it was winter in Colorado, meaning I didn't feel like I could just go out and go for a walk um, safely. And then it just went downhill from there. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to eat all the things and I'm going to not do all the things actively. And that's just going to be how it is. And now, because I'm 48 years old, getting back to my happy place where I feel fit and healthy is really hard. And so like looking at the mountain and saying, oh gosh, I have to climb this mountain for myself, for my health, for my longevity, for my happiness, for my fulfillment, for my fitness, you know, all of those things. But it's so high up there. I The motivation is so lacking. So how do you help your clients and people like me with um, the struggle with motivation. That's awesome. I'm so glad you brought that up because there's so many people, you're right, since COVID, I, I can't even tell you how many people come to me and say, I lack focus, I lack clarity, I lack motivation. And I want to start out by labeling what this is actually. Motivation or lack thereof is actually resistance. Oh, for sure. <laughs> right, right. But like, let's label what the resistance is. And I think for so many of us, we think, okay, I can willpower my way through this. I've done it before, right? I've, I've had that experience before, so I should be able to, but it's not working. And the reason is, is because our conscious brain says, I got I want to get back to my happy place, that fitness, that feeling really good. Your subconscious brain is actually the part that's in control. So like, if you think of it as an iceberg, it's really we make decisions from our conscious brain only 10% of the time. It's actually what's below the surface of the iceberg, that 90% that's in control. Mm -hmm. And so the resistance is in control. So, you know, resistance is really a few things. It's either fear, it's either complacency or insecurity, or maybe all of it put together. And, and sometimes it can be the real thing of like, okay, that just seems really big for me right now. Mm -hmm. You know, we're making a judgment around it is as, this is hard. So the second we make a judgment about it, we've, we've got this resistance. And so we try to willpower our way through, but that's actually not going to work because our subconscious willpower is a little bit stronger than our conscious one. And so yeah. what we want to start to do is, is label the resistance. What is it for me? Like, if you look at your own motivation, what is it? Is it this fear of, wow, this is a lot to get back to. Maybe I can't get back to it again. You know, it starts, if you can start to break it down, you know, little by little and label it, it starts to go, oh, I'm being heard because mm. res resistance, we, we tend to resist our resistance. And so we end up just digging our heels in even more. And Debbie Ford, who was basically my mentor and where I got trained was through the Ford Institute. Debbie Ford used to say, what, res what you resist persists. Oh, yes. That actually came up in a recent podcast, emotional eating. Yeah, we were talking about emotional eating and, and how if you keep Oreos out of your diet and you love Oreos, then at one point in time, the you're just, yeah, you're just going to be like, I have to have all the Oreos. Yeah. Yeah. And so the whole point about this is, is you know, you're resisting something here and you want to start to look at it instead of being like, hey, you know, I, I have to do this. We have to and should all over ourselves. Right. Yeah. And so I think the idea is, is we want to start to turn toward the resistance and really take a look at it give it voice, give it space mm -hmm. and really say, what is one thing that I can do to move toward this resistance and release it? Because the thing is we tr we're trying to be like, let me go back to the gym at full throttle the way I did. 
but it's maybe it's today you went out for a walk. I mean, not today because we're going to be icy and slippery, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yep. like the whole point is, is maybe today you get for a walk, and then we have to celebrate it. Mm. What we don't do is, is we discount it. We're like, well, I just went for a walk. It was just this. I should be doing this. Oh my gosh. Linda. So I did, I don't know if you know this, but I did a Ted talk at TEDx Vale. Yeah. And it was, it was called the value of you, but it was all about how I used to call myself just a mom. Oh yeah. So I discounted myself in order to protect myself from being hurt from the people who judge me for just being a mom, you know, same thing. Like it's it's not just a walk, like take the just a out of the conversation at all times, at all times, and then celebrate it. And people like when I tell people to celebrate, they feel a little goofy. Like, you know, the whole point isn't in the outcome. It's in the act of doing something and taking a step forward. And I think, you know, I talk to clients even about this, like when they're sending out a proposal and they're so terrified, they sometimes won't hit send or whatever it Mm. is. And I'm like, it isn't whether the person says yes or no on the other end. It's the fact that you did it. And it's, that's what you're celebrating because that is where we can create, you close the gap between our conscious brain and our subconscious brain Mm -hmm. and, and create action because action is, is really what will get us out of this lack of motivation. And it isn't about you going back full throttle. It's about you maybe finding a new way of being because maybe that old way isn't going to work for you. You know, like I've just started incorporating yoga. I have terrible chronic back pain yeah. at all times. And so I'm adding it because it feels good. good. And so that's maybe I'm missing out on a run, but I'm doing yoga. And so that's the whole point is, is that we start to really come back to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And because we're so busy thinking we need to do X, Y, and Z, but who says? And so we want to come back to ourselves and really connect. Who says is right. And I want to touch back on the celebration. Are there ways that you recommend for people to celebrate? You know, when I when I think of celebrating, I think let's pop the top, you know, pop the cork right. and have some champagne. No, when I'm working out and trying to get my fitness, I don't want to pop the top or have a glass of wine or whatever. Are there ways that we can celebrate uh, that you recommend to, especially to entrepreneurs, but maybe even for people like me. Yeah. For anyone, I think, I mean, here's the thing, whatever you, you're so hit it on the head where we don't want to celebrate with something that's going to create like <laughs> more <laughs> resistance or more of like the piling on or, you know, like create other beliefs that are right. going to be, yep. oh shoot. Like I just, you know, drank when I promised myself I wasn't, whatever it was, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. But it's literally any, anything that you can mark the moment with, like you can do, you know, a little dance in your room. It doesn't matter. I love it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You can, you know, just take yourself out on a date. You can, Mm. you know, as if you're comfortable these days, get a massage, whatever is celebration to you that furthers this sort of sense of self, not like sense of sabotage. Yeah. I think is, is what it is. And I mean, it can be even like kicking off work an hour early, like whatever it Mm. is for you spending time with your kids. Those are all really great ways of celebrating because we forget something that just marks the moment for you. What about like, I am someone who loves to be productive and 
like gets fulfillment out of that. And I remember when I was in high school and we were going on spring break and I made this chart and like crossed off each day and every day, like just the act of Xing out the day so that I was getting closer to my goal of spring break. You know, if I, if I, um, make a list of my to do's and I cross off one of the things, I just get so much satisfaction out of that. Totally. Right. Wouldn't that be a perfect little, it's just a easy way to celebrate your accomplishments. Um, oh yeah. You know, that list of incompletions I had yesterday, <laughs> yeah. you know, I have different colored pens. I'm sharing, this is my orange one. I mm-hmm. check things off in different colors so I can really mark it off and see like, look, I did it. Yay! You know, I Good know. For so me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> totally. I love it. Okay. So recently you came out with a book. I know when I reached out to you, you said it's not a full book. It's, it's no. a, the, the start of a full book, hopefully. Um, and I hope that for you too, but it's called unstoppable. And I would love for you to share what it means to be unstoppable. I came up with this concept of unstoppable as, is where I really wanted to land because I think so many of us get stuck every single day, whether it is life, whether it is business, we can't execute on the things we want. Just like you were just talking about, like getting yourself back into shape in business. That can be whatever it is, maybe being more visible. Maybe it's putting your processes in whatever it may be for you, but unstoppable isn't being fearless. It isn't being, you know, going 90 miles an hour, but it is simply anchoring back into this beautiful vision that you have for your life and in your business and, and moving past life's challenges, moving past your business challenges and actually doing the things you tell yourself you're going to do. And unstoppable ultimately is about building that ability to keep going and to execute and to have that confidence that we're all really sometimes lacking in order to get where we want to go. So if unstoppable really means it's like, oh my gosh, that vision I have, I'm actually going to get there. Mm-hmm. It's not this like pretty little picture that never is going to happen. And so that's, that's really what unstoppable means for me. And it's really also about prioritizing yourself. Like, you know, we put everybody else first. I mean, everybody, clients, children, spouses, partners, whatever it is. Being unstoppable is really about learning how to put yourself first and taking care of the things that you really need. And also, I feel like you talk a lot in Unstoppable as well as on your podcast. And I haven't been to any of or done any of your courses, but I'm sure you talk about in your courses about how there are a lot of playbooks out there and people Mm. tend to follow playbooks and then they get stuck. And I loved that you talk about how, yeah, you can take little bits and pieces from other people's playbooks. Like you were talking about how the playbook for success, quote unquote, is to um, do your homework in school when you're in grade school, and then you do your homework in high school, and you try to get the A's and the gold stars, and then and then that gives you a better chance in college, and then if you get into a good college and you get a great education, then you will, are going to get a great job and you're going to be successful. And that's the typical playbook or what people think of as the playbook to success, but it might not be that way. I mean, I was just listening to Blake Makowski, he started Tom's footwear. Mm-hmm. Right. And he was talking about how he only went through two years of high school. 
And so he definitely, by that playbook, he didn't follow that typical playbook. But so I love what you talk about how you can take little bits and pieces of different playbooks, of different people's books or courses or whatever, and utilize those. But really, you should create your own playbook because there is only one you. Yeah, there is. And it's really tough for people to do because I had somebody who's in my group program say to me, he's like, well, this is how I do my sales process. And he's like, I have one call and then another. He's like, but I'm losing people between calls. And I said, why are you doing that way? He's like, well, so-and-so does it that way. I'm like, I'm like, is that working for you? Yeah. I was like, why are you doing that? And he went, I I don't know. (laughs) Right. He said, I don't know. And so that's how we do it. Like, we do things a certain way, whether it's parenting, whether it's this. And so it's really interesting, you know, because I talked to my, you know, I have a almost 21 year old and a 19 year old. And, and I talked to them a lot about this because it's my son took a semester off from his freshman year and he's home and he's actually traveling around the country now. He's about awesome. to. And I, it's really helping him write his own playbook because I said, he's like, I should continue. I'm like, you're not in the headspace to continue right now. And, and I'm like, write your own playbook. And it's really helped with parenting too, because we let go of all the shoulds. You're supposed to go do all these things. And you know what? I honestly, I did. And I found myself in my thirties miserable. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's important to really understand we've been told to do X, Y, and Z. Now maybe it's time to write your own and see what works for you. It's again, connecting back to you, seeing what, what, how you want to build this and what's the best way for you to build this. And at the same time, noticing what you're running away from just because of fear. Yes. And so it's really about important to learn how to write this playbook and learn what's getting in the way of writing your own. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> okay, so every podcast I ask kind of the same question. I change it up a little bit every time. But in terms of your coaching and experience uh, with entrepreneurs, what is your biggest piece of advice on how they can be better tomorrow? You know, I think everything begins with awareness and really just be willing to look at your beliefs and ask yourself, are they mine? Are they really mine? Did I pick them up from my childhood? Did I pick them up from other people? Because once you start to question, is this useful? Is it mine? Mm -hmm. You start to open up this box of questions with yourself like that you've probably never had. And so you can start to be better by simply questioning, asking and saying, is this really useful for me? And if it's not, it goes. And so I think that's something that I always tell people is to start to question, where did this all come from anyway? Mm -hmm. Is it really, is it mine? Yeah. And really getting to know yourself, just to add on to that. I feel like, you know, we started talking about the Enneagram. That's an exceptional way to truly become more knowledgeable about who you truly are. And, and then that turns to more self-awareness and leads to probably more success in business and just a happier life. So any so way that you can get to know yourself, whether it's therapy or, or personality tests like the Enneagram, I'm all about it. Huge. All about it. Um, so how can people find you? And, and if they want to utilize your expertise for their own benefit. 
Well, I'm always on Instagram, so you can find me at lynda.m.perry on Instagram. And you can hop on over to my website. Start off with my book. You could go to lindamperry.com forward slash unstoppable. It's a great place to start if you really want to learn how to be more unstoppable and start to grow your business. And it's a free book out. It is an absolute free book. Yes. Thank you for reminding me about yes. that. Yes. So absolute yeah, free. go get the free book. People like awesome. free. <laughs> I like free. I like free too. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Linda. Thank you so much. I'm so glad this worked out finally. And congrats on your podcast. I wish you all the success and I hope to see you soon. Me too. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. I hope you feel a little better after having listened. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcasts. If you're enjoying our show, please send it to a friend and put a little better into their lives. Also, if you would like to find me, you can go to Instagram at Trista Sutter or Facebook at Trista Sutter fan page. Thanks, everybody, and have a great day.